0: Good morning and welcome to The Daily Oz. It is Monday the 30th of May. I hope you had a fantastic weekend wherever you are in the country or around the world. I know we have some overseas listeners too. We're going to tackle gun control today. It's obviously been in the news a lot since the terrifying shooting in Texas last week. Today we're going to have a look at why gun laws in America are so hard to change. But before we do that, Zara, we're expecting some big announcements from the Liberal Party today.
1: Yeah, so it's expected that Peter Dutton will be elected unopposed, which means that nobody else will be running for the position of Liberal leader today on a ballot in the Liberal Party room. According to reports, former Environment Minister Susan Lee is also expected to run unopposed for the deputy leader role.
0: The Murugupan family is expected to return to Biloela in the next 10 days. This is after Interim Home Affairs Minister Jim Chalmers announced on Friday he had used ministerial intervention in the family's case. The family will return to Biloela on bridging visas while they work towards the resolution of their immigration status.
1: Samoa has signed a bilateral agreement with China over the weekend in an attempt to, quote, strengthen diplomatic relations. According to a press release, Samoan and Chinese officials met and they discussed things like climate change, the pandemic and peace and security.
0: And today's good news, Mimel, a Sydney Harbour island, will be returned to First Nations people. The New South Wales government has committed $43 million to the clean-up and repair of the island before it is returned.
1: So yet again, US gun laws and gun culture are in the headlines after last week's horrific, horrific murder of at least 19 children and two teachers at a Texas elementary school. It led to more demands for a review of gun laws and urgent reforms in the country. For overseas audiences, particularly in countries like Australia and New Zealand, where it only took one critical shooting event to trigger massive gun reforms in the country, it can be really hard to understand what exactly is holding up progress on this front. It's certainly something that we've been asked a lot in our DMs, especially when events like this happen. So before we get into why the laws are so hard to change, how bad is the
0: problem? It's really bad. The FBI categorises a mass shooting as when four or more people are shot, and there were 692 mass shootings in the US in 2021. This year there has been already 200, including 27 mass shootings in schools. In 2020, for the first time, guns were the leading cause of death for American children and teenagers. It took over motor vehicle accidents. There's about 400 million guns in the US, which means statistically, if you got 100 Americans in a room, there would be 120 guns.
1: Okay, so Sam, obviously, all of this is steeped in the Constitution, in the right to bear arms. So can you just explain the constitutional angle to an Australian audience who really doesn't have a similarity here?
0: I do think this is the right place to start this discussion. So the core principle behind all discussions of gun laws in the U.S. is the Second Amendment to the U.S. Constitution, which states a well-regulated militia being necessary for the security of a free state, the right of the people to keep and bear arms shall not be infringed. So, just quickly, a constitutional amendment is a modification to the US Constitution passed after the initial drafting of the Constitution. The best way to think about this is a way for drafters to be able to build on the work of the founding fathers of the original Constitution as America continued to be built. So, The US Constitution was drafted in 1788. This second amendment was drafted by James Madison in 1789. It's pretty widely agreed that the purpose of the amendment was to reassure states that the newly formed U.S. military wouldn't be an all-powerful body and states could still form their own smaller militias. Today, this is now the key amendment that allows U.S. citizens to carry and purchase weapons, but each state has set laws on background checks and the type of firearms available, and, and we'll get into all of that.
1: Okay, but first, the question that comes up time and time again is, can
0: the Constitution actually be changed? It can be changed, but it is extremely difficult to do so. It's it's difficult in Australia, but definitely more difficult in the US. So in the US, you'd need at least 66% support in both houses of Congress, and then the change to be ratified, which means approved by 75% of individual states. In the current makeup of the US, this is pretty much impossible. Where the laws can be changed slightly easier is in the Supreme Court, which deals with the interpretation of the Constitution and its amendments. The big case here was in 2008, where the Supreme Court dealt with exactly the question of gun control in a case called the District of Columbia versus Heller. This case was all about a law that the Washington, D.C. state government introduced that banned handguns. By a 5-4 vote, the court held, which means that it passed, for the first time in American history, that the Second Amendment does protect an individual right to possess a gun. Among a whole list of reasoning, this case gave special constitutional protection to handguns. The key distinction that the court made here is that the right to bear arms is not just a collective right, so like in the Constitution said, you know, a right that can be held by militia or an army, but it can be an individual right. But the court did also make a distinction between carrying a weapon for self-defense, which it said was clearly permitted by the constitution, and what it described as dangerous and unusual weapons, which it said can still be banned. But this left a lot of room for, for ambiguity.
1: Which leads me to the question of whether there actually are any laws restricting firearms in the country. When you see what happened in Texas, it does make you wonder whether there is anything trying to restrict gun ownership in the country.
0: So there's 11 key pieces of federal law that forms most of kind of the big suite of laws that regulate gun ownership. They establish things like a basic national criteria for issuing a gun license, but every state has different loopholes because every state has different laws. And the laws kind of depend on the state's political leaning. They either make federal requirements stronger or they make them weaker. So one of the key federal laws is the Gun Control Act of 1968. And this gives a list of reasons of why people could be refused a gun license. It's things like if they're under 18, if they're addicted to a controlled substance, if they've got a criminal record with more than a year of prison time served, if they've been convicted of a domestic violence offense or if they're subject to an AVO. But you've got to remember here that to actually enforce this framework, gun sellers, the people at the other side of the counter, are expected to run background checks on everyone who purchases a weapon. But the problem is that guns are increasingly being sold unregulated and without background checks over the internet and by unlicensed sellers. And this creates major loopholes. So I guess in short, as we see time and time again, these background checks aren't doing the trick.
1: One of the questions that we were getting a lot after this Texas shooting was if Joe Biden was seemingly as moved as he appeared after the shooting, can't he just do something? Can't there be an executive order, which is when the president does something unilaterally to stop these situations from reoccurring?
0: So I think there's two ways to address this question. One is to look at the influences inside the Congress, and one is to look at the influences outside Congress. So inside, President Biden is at the mercy of something called a filibuster and a filibuster is a function of the rules that govern how the congress runs kind of the rules of play that allows a politician to talk endlessly in order to obstruct the passage of a piece of legislation now there is a way to stop a filibuster from being used in discussions about a certain law but you need 60 u.s senators out of a hundred to vote to end the filibuster and force the vote. And with the current makeup, with how many Republicans and Democrats in the Senate, it's not really gonna happen. It's a pretty complicated part of US law with a lot of history and theory, but the short answer here is that Biden and the Democrats are not going to be able to pass laws through Congress and the Senate without the support of the Republican Party. And this is what we refer to when we talk about bipartisan support. To your point about the executive order, Zara, that's a really interesting one because that would go straight to a Supreme Court challenge. And as we know, the Supreme Court now is weighted conservative, which means that they would be fiercely protective of the US Second Amendment right to bear arms.
1: And Sam, you mentioned the Republicans before. There do seem to be a number of Republicans who don't support increased gun control. Why is that?
0: Yeah, you might have seen Ted Cruz pop up in the news a lot this week. He is one of those Republicans who is a fierce protector of gun rights. He's from Texas, where the shooting last week took place. And this is kind of where we get to talking about the influences from outside Congress. And we're talking here about the National Rifle Association, or the NRA. The NRA has nearly 5 million members and is still one of the most powerful lobbies in the country. They give tons of money to politicians who fight for the protection of gun rights, and they're often the biggest donor to their re-election campaigns. The NRA has this infamous system of scorecards on politicians where it gives a rating according to the politician's record on defending gun rights. This rating is used to indicate how much funding they give a politician, and if your rating drops, it's often the case that the NRA will fund your opponent simply to get you out of the way.
1: We also saw over the weekend that there was an NRA conference held uh, and Donald Trump addressed the crowds, but there were some remarkable photos of an almost half empty auditorium and then thousands upon thousands of people protesting outside. And it was quite a remarkable difference seeing those two photos alongside each other. But has there been any progress on working around the influence of the NRA that seemingly they appear to be this like fixture of American politics, but has there been any movement?
0: Yeah, I really wanted to end this chat with a kind of bit of a hope sentiment here, you know, a sense that these laws could change. And I think to do that, we have to look to state level laws in the US. Some states have their own laws that enable courts to confiscate weapons from people who are considered to be a danger to themselves or others. And this is known as red flag laws. And there's this thing called an extreme risk protection order that often can come from a friend or a relative who have serious concerns about a person's behavior. Now, these red flag laws are very effective and they're currently in play in 20 states. In Texas, where the should took place last week there is no such red flag laws Ultimately, I just I don't think we're going to see the sweeping changes to gun laws we saw in Australia after Port Arthur, or in New Zealand after the Christchurch shooting. It's going to be a much slower, much more incremental change, and we're going to see the changes mostly at state levels. But I do think that one thing that is starting to shift is the gun control lobby in America, so the direct opponent of the NRA, is getting much more organized, much more well-funded, and much more popular. For example, there's a protest movement called March for Our Lives, which is powered mainly by young americans who routinely protest and advocate for universal background checks on all gun sales even those online they also want to see the federal age of gun ownership raised to 21, and they want to see a ban on assault weapons or high capacity weapons. This group first mobilized in 2018, right after the shooting at the Marjorie Stoneman Douglas High School in Parkland, Florida, and they had almost 2 million Americans attend a march. And it was a really, really powerful moment. This group has now remobilized. They're back in the headlines, and they're planning their next mass protest for June 11. One of the protesters is a young man by the name of David hog he was 17 and actually in that high school when a 19 year old shooter killed 14 of his friends and three staff members in florida and he said a really powerful line yesterday to the washington post he said no more it's time democrats republicans gun owners and non-gun owners come together and stop focusing on what we can't agree on and start focusing on what we can even if small
1: I think that is a very good note to end on. It can sometimes feel like America is so divided that there is no common ground, Uh, but certainly there has to be at some point because this can't continue. That is all we have time for today though. Thank you for listening to today's episode of The Daily Oz and we will see you tomorrow.